Welcome to Securing Digitalization, the Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast. Our hosts, Natalia Oropesa and Mirko Ross. Welcome to another episode of Securing Digitalization with the fantastic Chief Cybersecurity Officer at Siemens, Natalia Oropesa. And as always, I am delighted to be with the fantastic Mirko Ross. Hey, Natalia. And today's topic is about botnets. Yeah, and I know you are the expert on that. So why don't you give us a lesson on botnets? Explain us. What are they and what can they do? Well, a botnet is, first of all, invisible mostly. We don't see it. And it includes a structure which is highly automated. So normally attackers are scanning networks for vulnerable devices. And then the attacker try to take over the control of these devices. So a botnet contains of devices which have been captured by an attacker and the infrastructure to control them, which is called command and control infrastructure. So that means it could be your device or my device, meaning my laptop my iPhone. Correct? Exactly, exactly. The most important thing, the devices should have an operating system. But as we know today, almost every connected device has an operating system on it. So it can be your camera, your laptop, your car, maybe your machine. There are a lot of possibilities of devices I can include into a botnet. What can they do? Well, normally as an attacker or botmaster, that's the guy who's controlling the botnet. It's just master. I mean, what they want to do is, of course, they want to have control over many assets. And by them, they can perform different actions of attacks. One attack is the classical denial of service attack, where I can say I just fire with all these devices to a certain server and service. And then I try to tear down the server in operation, which is then be used to get ransom from the owner of this server and um, service it. The second one is, let's say it's more a new type, that you, for example, use a botnet simply to mine cryptocurrencies with the captured devices. Which means to use the capacity of the devices to do something different from what the devices are meant to do, right? Exactly. I'm using the computer power of the connected devices mm -hmm. for crypto mining. It means that the mined bitcoins at the end, uh, this Git bitcoins, for example, are worth real money. So I'm using your device, your computer, your server, your machine for this mining operation. And the mining operation is just stealing your computer power and your energy. And I know that, as you mentioned before, they are used to make the so-called DDoS attack, the distributed denial of service attacks. And I have seen in my experience pretty bad attacks. In those cases, I saw 20,000 IP addresses attacking. And um, that means 20,000 devices were collected to make an attack. Of course, that causes payload in the different services that they are attacking that can go to 400 times the normal payload that you will see in your services. So I have seen the power of botnets. 
Yes, and as you said, it's sometimes really like an overwhelming attack. If we took, for example, the Mirai botnet, it has at its peak about a half a million devices part of that botnet. And the operators just give for rent these botnets for DDoS attacks to tear down gaming servers and websites and stuff like that. So, Natalia, I'm a little bit curious how you can deal at Siemens if you are getting attacked by 20,000 IP addresses. So how do you protect yourself? Well, like always, the first thing is that we need to detect that this is happening in a timely manner. So uh, it is not always easy and it's tricky because especially during the COVID, COVID situation, you do expect to have a higher payload than what you normally have. Obviously, to have 400 times more than what you normally have is already an evidence that something wrong is happening. But but you have to be aware that this is happening, so you have to keep a good monitoring. We talk about yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, about how important is security monitoring in the other episodes that we have. So this is still the case that is very important. And of course, once you detect that this is happening, you have to enable different measures. Some of the measures include to reduce the capacity of your services or your devices so that they don't accept that much traffic. You have to be careful, though, because if you do this, you will impact not only the bad traffic or the traffic generated by the botnets, but you will impact as well the normal traffic, which means you will be decreasing the service level that you are providing to the to the users. Now, therefore, not only one measure is needed, but several ones. So you also need technology that is intelligent enough to know which is the bad traffic and which is the normal traffic that you want to accept and, and disregard or drop the uh the traffic that you don't want to have. So those are some of the measures. They are not unique. So you need to establish a good defense strategy when you see an attack like this. Yes. And it's always, I'll think about strategy. Like you said, you're doing the counteraction and then you need to be careful not to block your own operation at the same times because then you win nothing. I had an interview with William Dixon, who is responsible for cybersecurity at the World Economic Forum. And I have asked William about the rising threat of botnets uh, he sees on a global level. Botnets are still one of the most dominant forms of cybercrime that the global community faces. And the reason why the current threat level is so high is because they are able to harness the most important aspects of cybercrime, and that's the concept of scale. Large-scale botnets, and particularly hardened botnets with difficult infrastructure to take down that are highly multifunctional in their ability to be able to exploit victims, are still one of the most dominant threats the global cybersecurity community faces. So even though that um, we've seen um, potential disruptions of botnets over the last 12 months, 24 months, what we actually find is they're consistently difficult to be able to tackle effectively, and that they often come back stronger and harder than they previously were before. Very often is the case, Miracle, that I hear you saying that IoT is broken. Now is the time for you to give me a, an explanation of why is it that you are saying that? 
<laughs> well, because the IoT has two issues. One of them, that this is really about masses, uh, billions of devices that will be connected. And a lot of them are already vulnerable when they are shipped. And you know, then they're getting installed, getting onboarded and in operation. So by that, there are potential targets for botnets. And this is why the IoT often starts with a dysfunction. And it's our responsibility as an industry operator or vendor or whatever to take care that we fix such defects immediately when the devices are getting into operation. So which leads me as well to you, Natalia, as an industry expert. Hey, what is the answer of the industry there? How do we fix such vulnerabilities? Well, you know, before I go to answer your question, let me say that... Um Reemphasize again what you say. Obviously, the more devices we have connected, the more risk we have of botnets. We just talk about the consequences of of those. So, therefore, we we need to establish something. And one of the best efforts that we are doing together with the Charter of Trust Partners is to work in security by the fall. And what we are not only ambitioning, but uh, we are establishing the requirements already of what is needed to have security by default in our different products. So that is one of the big measures, and I have to say as well, of the big hopes that we can do from the beginning the digital world more secure. Yep. And for example, the most famous Mirai botnet was just built up on a brute force attack of 60 standard factory setting passwords. And they were just trying to test all these passwords to get access to the devices and then take over these devices based upon 60 passwords. And now to me, by that, security by default is so important because when you get the device in, into the operation, you need to change the password and you're forced to change the password. You are forced. Yes, 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 we're forced. <laughs> I use a very good example last year in the celebration of the Charter of Trust. It was the two-year celebration of Charter of Trust. And I think um, I mentioned that a lot of us are traveling frequently and we all need to have luggage or uh, cases. And, and, you know, some of them have these nice locks that you can set. And normally they are not set by default. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And everyone, I mean, 80% of the persons are keeping the 000, so they are not protected. What security by default means is that you will get your case uh, with a defined combination so that you don't have to do that yourself. It is already set. You get, together with your case, a document that says which is the combination that is set and the provider makes sure, make sure as well that this is a good setting to be used. And this is what we are aiming to win security right away. Yeah. And I think it's important that you as an industry take the responsibility as well. Um, I was talking with William Dixon about this regarding how to fight botnets on a global level, because I think it's a global problem. And by that, we need to fight this in a global coordination and collaboration. 
When we're thinking about how you combat botnets, we've got to think about this um, in a tiered approach, which is how do enterprise defend against um, botnets in general? That's, of course, the best type of cybersecurity hygiene practices that we can try and promote in the ecosystem, ensuring that we've got the right controls in place and that networks are defended appropriately. However, what we've actually seen is that you need to take an approach against the infrastructure itself and also that you need to be able to put pressure on the individuals who are controlling them and ultimately the perpetrators of the large criminal networks that, that operate these. From an infrastructure perspective, we've seen joint investigations and joint disruptions uh, largely coming out of the European and, and American experience of cybercrime. And recently, obviously, the TripBot botnet uh, takedown by US Cybercom in combination with Microsoft Digital Crimes Unit was a great example of the technical um, nature of how we combat these threats. But what's often missed out of the cybersecurity debate is actually this is a crime type and that what we need to see is more investigations between the public and private sector in identifying the actual perpetrators and looking to prosecute and apprehend them and take them out of the criminal ecosystem. So Mirko, as you can see, this is a global topic and uh, I think the standards play an important role in this topic and in the prevention of this happening. So what, what do you, Mirko, think about that? Well, defining a global cybersecurity standard is really a challenge as this is not a HI process. And technology is sometimes much faster than regulations. But what we see is that regulation is stepping in now. In Europe, for example, we have the European Cybersecurity Act, which tries to get the complex standards inside Europe harmonized and is defining new standards, which are important for the industry as well. And I see a a lot of people from Siemens involved on such standard activities. And if Europe is building, for example, a global benchmark for cybersecurity standards, then we can go into coordination and collaboration which, with other players as America and Asia uh, to get global cybersecurity agreements. And for example, take security by default, what it is, what does it mean? And I think we need to take that challenge. It took time, but in the next two, three years, the impact will be big for the industry. Yeah. Uh, well, I can add to what you just said. It's, of course, it is very important. And uh, therefore, we are committed to contribute to the with the different governments and the different uh, regulation agencies so that they can get from us our feedback about what is it that we think are the needs and the needs of our customers. So that's why we engage and contribute as much as we can in the development of standards and regulations as well. Yes, and you have mentioned before the chart of trust, which is, I think, rather important because it's a signal towards the regulations as well that you as an industry take the responsibility to improve cybersecurity. You take your responsibilities. And this is what we need. We need regulators and industry working together to improve cybersecurity. What do you think? That's one message, but the, and the other message is we are in this together. So we are talking about 16 major partners like IBM or Airbus, Atos, Siemens, and so on and so forth. So we are talking with one voice together. Hey, so just let me wrap up a little bit about our today's topics of botnets. So we're just moving from the question, what is a botnet? towards what kind of attacks do we see like DDoS or crypto mining and how can we prevent from this and what is needed towards the outlook of regulation and standardization for the people out there, let's say in the next 
two, three years. They're getting rather interesting because of a lot of things will change as well on the standardization and regulation side, as well on the product implementation of industries. And well, you need to adopt if you're a company or even a developer or however in this business, you need to adopt to these new requirements. So if you like the podcast, give us a comment or a rating. And by that, Natalia, thank you very much for being in this conversation. Uh, a pleasure, like always. Thank you, Mirko. Securing Digitalization, the Siemens Cybersecurity Podcast. Podcast.